Welcome to Managing Safety, brought to you by the Florida Aviation Network, an effort of the National Aviation Safety Foundation and a coalition of local, regional, and national aviation organizations and agencies. This talk show addresses strategies for thinking in today's complex aviation world. Now, here's Ron Timmermans, 2021 National Flight Instructor of the Year, who was inducted into the National Association of Flight Instructors Hall of Fame in 2022. Ron is an independent master flight and ground instructor from Orlando, Florida. He is an airline transport pilot with over 7,000 hours of flight time and is today's host. Hello, everyone. My name is Ron Timmermans. I'm one of the many hosts for the Florida Aviation Network, and we're broadcasting live and in the clear today from the Sun and Fun campus at Lakeland, Florida. So it's been 49 years since this event started. This is the 49th annual International Aviation Expo at Sun and Fun at the campus at uh, the Lake and Linder International Airport. It's good to have you along with us. We've got um, a, a number of great people that we're interviewing uh, this week. Uh, we've completed a number of interviews already this morning and earlier this afternoon, and another one to follow as we get into this one. My two guests today are Karen Knoll and Bob Rasky. So uh, they are both 777 pilots for United Airlines. Uh, Karen is a first officer and Bob is a captain, and they happen to be wife and husband. So, Bob and Karen, welcome. It's good to have you here once again. It's always good to interview you and to, to learn more about your, your past and your, um, your um, uh, wonderful activities and the like. So, uh, Karen, how long have you been flying? I've uh, been flying for 25 years. 25, okay. And how many years with the United now? I've been with the United seven years now. Seven years, yeah. okay. Before good. that, I was a regional for 15 years. 15 years as regional and now in with the, with the majors. Well, yeah. that's great. Bob, a few more years than that for you with uh, aviation? From the day I touched an airplane? <laughs> yeah. 40, about 45 years. 45, so yeah. good. Well, Bob, I've got a couple of years on you, so yeah. I've, uh, I made the big 5-0 just uh, <laughs> you did. Yeah, last year. I haven't gotten my uh, Wright Brothers Award yet, but I'm going to put in for it. And Congrats. Bob Jack says uh, he, he thinks he can squeak me through and, and get the award. That'd Excellent. be good. So, well, that's good. So, uh, Bob, for you, how many years with United? And before that, you United, um, just uh, over 30. 30? And, and pretty much United the whole time. And prior to that, I was military for about 20 Kind of a mix between full time and then guard, and then also with United. So I retired as a colonel, lieutenant colonel in the Air Force after 20 years. And United, I'm still going. Got about another year and a half or so. Good for you. Well, that's great. It's been quite a ride, ride I imagine. It's amazingly and wonderful, and still happy. Yeah. And Karen, for you too, a good ride, I imagine, huh? It's fantastic. It's the best yeah. job in the world. Is it really? It good. is. Good. I'm glad to be that the, up in the front office of the Triple Seven, huh? So I imagine you started out and. Karen as a private pilot and then progressed to CFI and going through the ratings before you finally got on the regionals and then eventually with United. So tell us about the early years of Karen. Well, um, I actually, uh, after I graduated from college, I got a job as a flight attendant. I, got, I was supposed to go to law school, but then I really wanted to see the world. And um, this is just a little escape for a little time and I was going to come back. And then my very first day on the job was in a 747 from Hawaii to Tokyo. And I, um, I went up front, and I saw what they were doing and who they're talking to, the chatter and everything else. And I'm like, that's it. This is what I want to do. So I got my private out in Honolulu, and then I came here to Florida and um, got all my other ratings. And it was basically a means to an end. I just wanted to be an airline pilot for sure. And then um, go figure, I fell in love with it. I yeah. love it. So let me make sure I got this, this framed here. So your first day on the job as a flight attendant. Yeah. 
you already decided to switch careers. Yeah. <laughs> and move from the back of the airplane up to the front of the airplane. Yeah. Wow, what a, what a lofty goal, but uh, one that you've, you've, you've achieved, obviously. So you got your private pilot's license, what, flying out of Honolulu or Honolulu, one of the smaller airports? Yeah. Out of the International. Yeah. Good, good. Flying Cessnas, I imagine? It's a Cessna 150, and the, the, the crazy thing in Hawaii is that your long cross countries are inner islands, so you're going, going over water, single engine, the Cessna 150, and... Um, you know, the weather gets funny and it's tricky, and yeah. uh, um, it's not for the, I guess, it, faint of heart. It's not for the faint of heart, yeah, but it's it was so beautiful. And every single time I looked out the window, it's just so glorious to fly there. And you can rent planes out in Hawaii at Honolulu International and go inner island. They'll just check you out and show you the way. How exciting! How exciting! Yeah. So then you progressed on, obviously, to commercial and instrument in CFI, was it? Yeah, I went to an academy over in Sanford. Um, I went, to, uh, got my instrument, commercial, commercial multi um, CFI double I M E I. Taught at Orlando Executive Airport. Got my hours. And my then, home drone. Yeah, and then um, I taught at Western for a short time, and then I became a pilot for Continental Express, and then Express Jet, and um, that was my regional. Uh, stint, and I stayed at the regionals for a long time because um, I'm just as ambitious as the next person. But um, I had kids, and uh, I just wanted I'd make cop- locker signs and cupcakes and show up for things and stuff. And I was super senior, and I had all the time off to do that. And then they grew up, and then I got to do what I really want, which is fly overseas on really big planes. I see. Well, that's great. What a great, uh, what a great um, career path for you. That's wonderful. And you were able to to um, to blend uh, being a mom as well as uh, your a- aviation career. Yeah, about fifty percent of the female airline pilots I know are uh, moms, and fifty um, percent are. You know, just choose. But um, you, you make the juggle. You're gone um, a couple nights a week or so. Some people uh, get jobs where they just go away and come back every single day. But um, my kids were never alone and didn't have to go to ch- daycare because we're both airline and we made we juggled it and it turned out okay. They went to college. They were Eagle Scouts and good. Yeah, and soon to graduate from college. You told me this April. Good one in, in engineering, another in general studies. Exactly. Great. How proud you are as a mom. I, am. I can I'm imagine. Happy. Well, good. Off the payroll, like you said. <laughs> Off the payroll. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's a good thing. And Bob, uh, so your uh, career started out what in the guard? Do I remember? Yeah, early on, it was um, that critical point in most young men and women's lives. High school, senior, not for me, so I left early. And I was 18 years old and uh, in discovery pattern there. I was doing well, but um, a relatively smart guy, but I got bored with high school, typical story that people say. So I left, and I was scouting around doing different endeavors, um, which were good. Got me sidetracked. Then one day, um, I was in that mode of not completing any kind of school where uh, I was enlightened by my mom about a guard job, National Guard job, newspaper clipping, which said, join the Army National Guard. So I go, what's this? So I did, but that moment in time became the transition because I went into the guard up in Long Island, New York, guard helicopter unit. First job they gave me was beer, went to be a helicopter mechanic. And I was into cars at that time, so I said, great. And while I was at Fort Rucker, I was surrounded by helicopters which eventually I became a helicopter pilot. But at that stage, I was interested in flying, and an Army warrant officer is that pay-it-forward concept, you know? Um, he uh, became a future Delta pilot, but he came up to me one day as I was wrenching on a helicopter and said, Bob, you know, you're doing great work here. Have you thought about being a pilot? That's a great phrase to say. 
I said, no, <laughs> you know, typical. You were what, in your early 20s then? Or? I was about 19. 19, yeah. okay, still in your late teens. Very early, and I hadn't even graduated. We just wanted to get a GED from high school. But So I said, yeah, let me check it out. And he took me over to the uh, local flying club there, took me in that first ride in 152, and I was hooked. So now I had like six weeks left of mechanical training. He says, you know, why don't you just start, let's, let's make this happen. So it became the goal to get my private pilot license in 45 days. So at night, I did almost my private pilot license, cross country, everything at night. At night? Yeah. And weekends, because during the day, I was in school. Sure. Kind of dinner. I'd sneak away, and he had my back, and I finished it. And just as I was getting my, you know, helicopter mechanic license, I got the private pilot license. And then, of course, that set the, the whole, like in life, we have, we have journeys, right? And we go, will this work? Maybe I want to be this. How about that? And I had no clue what the heck I wanted to be. Unlike Karen, who focused early she on She looked this and moment. said, I want to be a pilot. I was <laughs> like, hey. But that started the journey, and then it was, it was throttles in, right? I came down to Embry-Riddle, went to school there, graduated, and then went into the Air Force full-time. And that whole discovery of Air Force time as an F-16 guy, Guard Reserve, and eventually United, was all triggered by that critical moment, like she had, where, have you ever thought about being a pilot? And for that matter, anything in life, or like a mechanic, and, but I went down that path. And that's, that was always a critical moment. That's how I paid forward. Because in my life, when I asked my kids growing up, Savannah and Christopher, hey, would you like to be a pilot? You know what they said? Hell Heck no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. But, you know, eventually they got their private pilot license. And, and I was never a pusher. Okay, let's try it. And they enjoyed it. My, my son deviated into a medical school program. But Savannah, she just hung in there, you know, and she graduated and finally... She was all in. One day when she was, a, she joined the Guard too at 18, and when she was surrounded by the KC-135 pilots coming off, she was the maintenance officer. And I think she got tired of writing the maintenance reports and said, I want to do that. And that change again was that fundamental change. We said, I want to be a pilot. And as you know the story, she's today doing survival training in Alaska, but soon going to the, uh, she finished all her pilot training in the Air Force and going to the F-35 program for a year in Arizona. The F-35 program. Yeah, she's, she was selected by Montgomery, right Alabama's um, unit to be uh, the next generation F-35 pilot, her and two other people. So this is the young lady who, like her brother, said, hell no, I don't want to be a pilot. They said, hell no, like that. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I always can is. relate to the word no Yeah. because I said it. And, yeah. you know, like in, in, when we try to mentor our next generation, we parents are always trying to be good. Hey, why don't you be this? You want to be that? And, and I was undecisive. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Heck, I dropped out, you know. Yeah. But, you know, the, the whole relentless part's there. Like, you know, you stay in the game and mentoring as a dad, as a friend, a counselor. You try to be resilient, keep pushing, and then one day these switches happen, you know. And I think in today's world, job opportunity is very strange for, for everybody graduating now because we're, mar we're migrating to a bit of a different world, you know, with AI down the peak, you know, automation. So you have to be careful what you're looking for in jobs out there. Like, I want to go to college to be this, and it may be a robot down the road. Who knows, right? But the good thing that we're here today for is aviation. It's rocking, right? I mean, it is. if anybody walks around these hangars here, they're hiring like crazy. Come on in. Aviate program, this program, with the Aviate program United. Well, that's a whole change. So it's good to see how many mindsets in our next generation, I call them, fighters and children and people, they have this opportunity that's amazing, yes. rewarding. And it's not just being a pilot, I think, all aviation. But it's yeah. a magical moment, I think. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can see that. So, Karen, when um, do you uh, mentor other uh, would-be pilots, women and men? Or Yes. Um, 
I was in the International Society of Women Airline Pilots, and I was their scholarship chair for eight years. Gave out hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships to women who want to specifically become airline pilots. We're just giving them the, their CFI, I, or MEI rating just to get them out of their parents' basement so they can make money as a pilot. And then we give type, type ratings out um, as well. And not that it's necessary to have a type rating to become an airline pilot, but um, we found that like if you're like uh, if you've been in the regional airlines, for instance, for a while, maybe you're raising children. And uh, you haven't had a big check ride because you've been a captain for 13 years. Well, apparently the way the airline's matrix works when they're pulling out applications is a major check ride recently. And if you've been a captain for 13 years, there's none. So we give them a um, check ride in a big plane, and within a week they get um, calls, calls, calls from all the majors. So, so this would be like a SIM check ride? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, just a, like a 737 type rating. Great. So this is for primarily for women who are already in aviation at the regionals level. Or earlier. We, or earlier. We, we give them CFI double I's oh, and eyes as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're trying to get, get them that last final push when they're starting yeah. to run out of money. We're like, oh, here you go. We that got last you. Step. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And, and where do you um, uh, raise the money from? Just from donors? and Yeah. From, we're all airline pilots and we just take money out of our back pocket yeah. and throw it on the table. Good. How wonderful to... Uh, Pay it forward, as Bob said in, in other instances. This is the way you're paying it forward to help um, young women to, to move on to that final step to get into the airlines. That's... I want them to find the joy I have found. I, yeah. am, I can't tell you how happy I am and how much I love my life and my job. That's great. That's great. That's what we all want to do is just be uh, joyful about uh, what we do, whether it's uh, aviation or whatever our career might be. But uh, that's the satisfaction we get from finding the right vocation and uh, going going for the the gold i guess so bob uh, you've um, you've had a, a number of opportunities to help mentor people uh, into into aviation not just your children that you talked about but other young people as well i remember you're involved in uh, young eagles and other events and you've talked with other people motivational speaking about uh, go for your go for your goals and and uh, goals in aviation tell us a little bit about what what you've done there well, you know, the the big thing is, I think, um, interaction with the community. Like in my lane, you know, of course, I'm a GA guy, CFI and all of that. So I, in that world, the GA communities, I'm trying to enlighten them with the Young Eagles program. Uh, Mike McKenzie, who owns, runs Vision of Flight program. A lot of these programs are out there, and they're similar to the Young Eagles model, where a group of uh, high school folks come in there. They learn about flying. They get flights, and I donate my airplanes. I have an Aztec and a Cherokee 6 and pilots, and we have a good time. Usually, like, once every couple months, we get together um, in the certain chapters. And that is a, a GA a community reaching at the high school level, right? Mm -hmm. So that's important because other programs that exist at high school level are the Civil Air Patrol, right? And so Civil Patrol is a great thing because they have planes, and people can learn how to fly. So people in high school join the Civil Air Patrol, if they want to be a pilot, can start flying. This is all about saving money, too, right? And so I give them talks at Civil Air Patrol things and kind of motivate people to take advantage of these assets, right? Because these assets are out there, Young Eagle, Civil Air Patrol. And then for people like that are interested maybe in the military, like fly in Florida, like Florida, we have wonderful National Guard, F-16s up there in Jacksonville, Homestead. And Jacksonville's going to F-22s. You know, this is part-time work, too. Um, and so we got uh, C-130 units. So Florida's got these National Guard Reserve systems. So in different states, when I grab people, like say, hey, man, this is a great opportunity. And have you not just want to become a pilot, but have you thought about being in the National Guard and maybe flying F-22s, 35s, KC, whatever, heavies? 
yeah. part-time, why is maybe you want to be a doctor also? I mean, it's amazing sure. what you can do with that. You could be piloting or still flying the world in aviation and being some other source. So in that community, I, I do a lot of uh, uh, grabbing folks at that critical high school graduation point and try to steer them. I've had past couple of years at least 20 to 30 men and women join Guard Reserve units, and they're all with us today, United, Delta. They yeah. went, joined the Guard became National Guard pilots, got out of the airlines. And a path somewhat like you followed after you it's a, it's dropped a, out of high school it's a and great really path. turned yourself around. It's and the opportunities path. are great, uh, not just for men, but for women as well, right, Karen? I mean, you're an example. Your daughter, Savannah, is another one and other, are, other women throughout the industry. I think that um, a lot of women maybe didn't realize that this is such a great job for women as well. Um, I, I, you know, we saw only men for a long time being pilots, but... Um, I, I was at all my, my kids' events. I had a wonderful time. Um, uh, I think that I work in a program called Aviate at United Airlines. And what we're trying to do is reach out to um, all kinds of people and includes women and minorities and, and um, people just to demystify that anybody can do this. And here is the, the pathways you can do it. And here's where you can get loans to do it or scholarships. And we try just to show them the way. And then it's up to them, you know, to persevere or not. And that's all the differences between us being in an air, um, a pilot position or not is perseverance, right? Yeah. yeah. Great. So you show them not only the goal, but the means to get there. Yeah, here you that's go. That's great. Great, great package that you do for mentoring. That's a, that's a wonderful aspect. I, I want to change the tempo just for a moment now and talk about um, aviation safety. So you have a unique perspective sitting in the front seat of, the, of a 777 in and out of major airports. You fly mostly uh, where your home base at Newark or Newark. Kennedy? Newark. Okay, so uh, busy airport, as is Kennedy and, and LaGuardia and, and, and New York City and all the other places that you fly to. But we've heard um, in, the, in the recent past some pretty significant almost accidents at the airport. So aircraft uh, cleared for takeoff when another aircraft taxis across the runway. One, one aircraft happened to make a go-round because there was another airplane on, on the runway and the like. Tell us from your perspective. Obviously, pilots have to have their eyes out the cockpit and be aware of what's going on, or at least one of the two-person crew. But what other safety measures do we have on the ground in the tower, uh, in, buried in the taxiway and the runway lighting and the like? What kind of things keep uh, an aircraft safe so that we don't get into two airplanes in the runway at the same time? Karen, your perspective? You know, um, there there are so many safeguards, so many things that go through. Like, um, as a captain, I don't. I would. I was a captain for a long time. Um, I would never cross the runway unless, you know, I hear the first officer talk and they we got a clearance and I actually heard them say it. Otherwise, it's say again. I mean, we both have to hear the same words because. Um, you know, it's not just a violation. It could be quite dangerous. Indeed. And, yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it's cautiousness. I think that a lot of the airlines um, are really good at, you know, verifying information before you cross or do anything like that. Um, but there are, um, there's a lot of movement in the industry. And so there's a lot of new people getting used to new ways of doing things in different airlines and stuff. And maybe they're young captains. And I don't even know what happened with, I don't know the details. Uh, but, you know, there is a lot of movement and perhaps um, that needs a getting used to. But um, I think that the airlines are taking, uh, taking note of what's going on, and, and it's coming back to us. Yeah, and the FAA had a safety stand down a couple weeks ago to address this and major issues like that. And yet, Bob, we're all human, and we make mistakes, don't we, Bob? So 
what kind of mistakes do we try and guard against in the cockpit when you're um, piloting a, a 777 uh, on the runways or on the taxiways? What, what kind of things do you do? Well, the biggest thing, and, and we're trained heavily under like our SMS systems, safety management systems, is this concept of CRM, crew resource management, and TEM, threat error management. So it begins with the briefing. If I'm, I'm with you and this is the crew, I sit there and I take out a little card, and it's very methodical, and say, how are you feeling today? How are you doing today? First step, why do you think we asked that? To see where your mental mindset is. Yeah. If you say, hey, I'm having a tough time going through divorce, something like that. And I say, do you feel okay to fly? And you can. You can say yes or no, right? But by opening that up, then the crew can accommodate right off the bat who you are as a person. So it's not like there's regs and movements and procedures, but there's also the human part. And the yeah. human part is so important in any crew cockpit to make sure everybody's heard what they're going on. We have different personalities. And do you have any issues? Once that's out in the air, it's cool. Everybody wraps around each other, right? You know, we got you. Got you back. No worry. Then we go to the next step, you know, and the next step begins more of the briefing of the flight. The profile. But another big thing I do as a captain when I talk about the profiles and procedures in this particular departure is the kind of one thing I end with is like, trust me. You know, I look at everybody and says, if I'm not doing something right or you have a better technique to offer me, please speak up. Good. You know, I have no skin in the so game. You're open I mean, to yeah. other yeah, ideas. Because, yeah, because, yeah, you know, don't, because sometimes people are afraid to say something and sometimes pilots through maybe a Heavy mannerism, yeah. everybody shuts down, right? Yeah. I'm not going to talk, he doesn't listen, you know? And we've gotten rid of most of that today because we're such talkers and humanistic. But that's a big step to say because, Ron, if you tell me, Bob, you know, you, maybe you can take the control wheel rock off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So you it's, know, a, it's a but, communal effort. Safety. Communal effort's important. Yeah. And establishing that communication, I think, is one of the key elements to SMS. And one of the major factors, anything going wrong, whether it's in ATC world, this world, that world, um, different environments, different things, but the ability to understand yourself in the mirror yes, indeed. and acknowledge your strengths and weaknesses of the day. Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you for your comments, uh, Bob and Karen. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention at least two other things. One is um, uh, last August, these two had a fairy tale wedding in Scotland. And so they are married. They are now husband and wife. And so we're very happy for you. Congratulations. After thank many you. years, we're we're delighted for you. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> Scotland again. Good. And then one other thing, uh, we're celebrating something else uh, this week. Uh, Karen, what is it about Bob that we're celebrating? Um, let's uh, see. CFI of the of, nation. Yeah, the world. <laughs> the world would be good. <laughs> Bob uh, has been um, uh, selected as a CFI of the year for the Orlando FISDO and then the regional Fis, uh, CFI of the year. And then finally, he was selected as the national CFI of the year. Our heartiest congratulations, Bob. It's well-deserved, and uh, we're, we're celebrating with you. And we will be, uh, many of us will be there at Oshkosh when you receive your award from the administrator this year. Congratulations to you, Bob and Karen. Congratulations to you on wedding and, um, and your successful career. It's been great to be with both of you again. Thanks so much for uh, being with me on the interview today. My name is Ron Timmermans. I'm with the Florida Aviation Network. It's been great to have you with us today. Please uh, tune in again tomorrow, and you'll hear more interesting interviews with aviation personalities in and around the 49th Annual Sun and Fun. Until then, we uh, wish you well and safe travels. We hope you've enjoyed today's Managing Safety, brought to you by the Florida Aviation Network, an effort of the National Aviation Safety Foundation and a coalition of local, regional, and national aviation organizations and agencies. Please visit our studio website to hear past programs.